Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Naturalist Capitalist. As many of you know, I'm trying to get you over to my other platforms. If you're watching this live on YouTube, you can see it tomorrow on Odyssey, or you can listen to it in the next couple days on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And then I've got a few other audio platforms that aren't used as much. Uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and I have a Patreon, and you can find all the links to those in the description. But anyway, tonight I've got a great guest. He's been on the show once before. He is the CEO of Library and Odyssey, and now he's a candidate for U.S. Senate. He is the nominee of the Libertarian Party to be Senate from New Hampshire. Jeremy Kaufman, how are you doing tonight, man? Hey, it's it's great to be here as always. And I, you know, one of the reasons I'm excited to talk to you is this is the first show we're doing where we're going to be neighbors uh, in the near future. That's true. Uh, last time we talked, actually, I was kind of challenging you on the whole idea of New Hampshire really being a free state. Because when I left it in March of 2020, Republicans had voted with Democrats to pass red flag laws, Sununu vetoing. It was the only thing that kept it from becoming law. Bernie Sanders had just won the Democratic primary. So I wasn't really sold on the whole New Hampshire thing, but um, you've, you and other people have convinced me over the last year, really, that things have been changing for the good since the country's really gone down the tubes the last couple of years. So why don't, you, why don't you give us a little more of that white pill? What's going on in New Hampshire that people should be excited about? Well, 2021 was one of the best years in New Hampshire history. The only state to reduce taxes and reduce spending. Uh, we banned um, COVID uh, vaccine passports. Well, we banned the government from being involved in any COVID vaccine passport scheme, which I think is the right way to do it. Got to respect, you know, sort of voluntary association type uh, type principles. Um, we were rated the freest state in the country uh, by Freedom in the 50 States, which is a very detailed ranking. It goes through like 20 or sorry, not 20, 200 uh, different um, ways of measurements of freedom. We were ranked we're 10% ahead of Florida. And uh, that didn't even factor in actually 2021. Uh, we have a school choice program. Uh, it's $5,000 a year. You can send your money, uh, send your kids to, to whatever schools you want. You can even buy the Ron Paul curriculum if that's what you want to do with the money. You don't even have to send them to a school. You can buy materials. Um, really great program. And, uh, you know, all these sort of also like micro things, you know, like things like, uh, you know, improving the legality of cutting someone's hair without a license, you know? So if you get into the micro list, there's dozens, um, but it, it's, it's really incredible what happened in, in 2021. There's a good pinned Twitter thread on the, on the free state account that has some of the wins. Um, but the momentum here feels really strong. The number of free staters in uh, increased by more than a thousand people in, in 2021, which is the first time that's ever been, you know, a four digit number, which is also really awesome. So the energy feels uh, very strong. You know, you can go to a random meetup, random weekly meetup and have 60 people there, which is like the libertarian conventions in a lot of states. You know, we say we get 60 people out for Taproom Tuesday, you know. And so it, it's it's really something um, what's happening here. And it feel, And the other thing is like it also it's not just what's happening, like evidence wise. It's like it also makes sense theoretically, like not to drift from evidence to theory, but you know, libertarians have tried this, these winning these persuasion fights for 50 years or 100 years. I don't know how long, how you want to count libertarianism beginning. 
It's all, it's never worked. And here you have a, a, a theoretical reason that this also works, you know, smaller state, naturally inclined libertarian uh, population, um, you know, and it's, it feels like it, it makes a lot of sense theoretically as well. Yeah, it seems like, you know, if you're a liberal from Florida right now, you're kind of, you're, you're repulsed to have to admit that that is the case. Like, yeah, I'm from Florida. And if you're a conservative who's from San Francisco, sort of the same deal. Like you're kind of embarrassed to admit to other people that that's true. Uh, from what I've been witnessing, at least online, it seems like a lot of people in New Hampshire are starting to be embarrassed that they're from there if they're not libertarian, which is great. I've actually, uh, I got into a discussion with a few people because they're kind of off put by how the New Hampshire Libertarian Party acts. And I said, well, you know, the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire has a very specific goal that's different than the rest of the country. They think, uh, which I'm starting to agree with, they think that the case for nationwide evangelical libertarianism is basically dead. So we have to congregate in one area and make ourselves a strong group. So the point is almost to be as repulsive as possible to people who aren't libertarians. So they don't want to be around you. Is that, is that an accurate way to portray it? Or am I, being I, I, I wouldn't necessarily put it as be repulsive as possible. Um, that is like, but it's the, the thrust there is correct. It's <laughs> so the thing is like, like there's an argument that if you're trying to maximize your vote share, that you should behave like Gary Johnson, right? Like there's an sure. argument for that. Um, the, the problem in the case of the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire um, specifically is we already have hundreds of Republicans who are approximately where Gary Johnson is. Right. Um, so it's like, I think, uh, and, and I, you know, the, the free staters uh, are basically uh, uh, controlling or running the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire at this point. It's a very free state heavy group. I mean, I'd say it's like everyone's a free stater at this point, I would say. Like, because you can be a free, you don't have to move here to be a free stater. You can be a native and be a free state. And, um, you know, it's like, I think what, I, to me, I actually see it more as like, we, there's a danger when libertarians join the Republican Party. And that danger is that they drift to become more status, that they drift to become more Republican. There right. are multiple lifetime members of the Libertarian Party that are elected as Republicans in the state of New Hampshire. And so I think it's really important that the Libertarian Party be like stay very true to principles, because I think that can help ensure that that kind of drift doesn't happen. So I think that we need to take the libertarian position, even when it's unpopular, right, which would mean like, you know, in April of 2020, being like, screw lockdowns, screw yeah. the government being involved in this in any way. Uh, so that, you know, because it's, if you, you know, you stare into the darkness of the abyss, the abyss stares into you when you join the Republican Party, you're going to have a lot of people in that party who aren't where you are as a libertarian, right, and they might pull you to become more status. That's a danger. I think that's something our movement needs to be vigilant to. And so I think that's like, to me, that's one of the biggest reasons that they need to be unequivocally libertarian is to keep being that voice. Is it is it um, okay if uh, we make the state repulsive uh, to, to people that are authoritarians? I don't think that's a downside. I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not like the number one goal though. We just don't, gotcha. it's, yeah. it's fine if it happens, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. That's uh I mean, it, 
the whole idea that people have been struggling with uh, over the last year, or a lot of libertarians have been struggling with, is they don't believe in any sort of government coercion, but they are wondering, like, how do you stop people who hate you and who hate your way of life from moving into your neighborhood and just destroying it? And it seems the only way to do it without government is to be obnoxiously liberty friendly. <laughs> and then they yeah, just yeah. they don't I, want to associate with you anymore. <laughs> I, I agree. Yes. Like we absolutely. And that's why I think it's, I, I think, you know, like John Oliver was like denouncing New Hampshire last year. And it's like, that was tremendous. That's one of the best things that happened because if you're, you know, we understand it's, this is like a malice idea. I, I'm not going to do it justice, but there's this idea of like, you know, when you're inside, that bubble of a worldview like that's all you see when you're outside the bubble you see what's inside the bubble and what's outside of it right so we get it like we understand when john oliver is making fun of new hampshire that that's like a good thing right. but you're inside the bubble you take that seriously you're like oh new hampshire is a bad state like because that's what the john oliver show is all about it's just teaching you what what you're supposed to support and what you're not supposed to support john oliver says you shouldn't support new hampshire well if you listen to john oliver you take john oliver seriously now you know new hampshire is a bad state just like texas and florida you know and so uh, i think getting these kinds of sort of negative things and there's a bunch of news articles you know the washington post has covered us negatively multiple times washington monthly did a long expose you know all these kinds of pieces i think they're so positive even if they're false right even if they're saying things that are untrue about our movement and you're saying it's like you know far right white supremacists the same the same crap that they say every time um it's still really good for us because it's this signal that's saying stay away to that class of people and even the people here in the state fighting us i don't think they realize how how much they're helping us when they do the same kind of messaging when they're doing this public whining and these progressive tears which have become sort of a theme of free state you know social media posts that like they're just putting up signal flares they're saying stay away to the, to the wrong kind of person and so i you know i love that um, and i think it really defeats this idea that like oh Oh, we're going to, uh, you know, a bunch of progressives will move in because the state is so successful. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't think so. I don't mm -hmm. see that happening at all. Yeah. So I want to talk about your uh, race for Senate. So why, why did you decide to run for Senate? What's your goal here? Are you actually trying to win? Or are you trying to send a message? Or are you trying to break 5%? Like what's, what's the deal? What's your purpose in doing this? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see those as exclusive goals um i i think you know there's i do think realistically it's like hard to win as a libertarian but i don't i don't think it's impossible and like we are taking it as a serious race we're doing the things that you know serious campaigns would do in terms of you know events and we're raising uh raising money we raised like um i think we're well over ten thousand dollars maybe pushing twenty thousand dollars and if you want to help uh support the campaign you can go to jeremy4nh.com uh, i think slash donate or just go to the homepage. Um, we're going to be using that money to be putting the message out there. I think there are ways you can win without winning the election. And it ties back to things I was saying previously, which is like, make sure that the libertarian positions are represented. Make sure that people are, you know, talking about you. You have the ability to shift the conversation in terms of what's being said. And then also, even if you lose the election, if you're, if you're activating people, if there are people who come and become a part of the campaign, who become a part of the Libertarian Party, you've grown your base for next time. 
you know, this kind of thing, because I want to get as many people activated as possible. This is a huge part about how politics works. There's this huge uncommitted middle that doesn't act, you know, there's this libertarians are very independently minded people and they tend to think things through, or at least they believe they're thinking things through for themselves. I think for the most part they are. And, um, you know, they therefore then a lot of them then think that that's the way that other people are thinking. And it's just not the case at all. A lot of people are kind of the way that they form their political perspectives. They just say, well, A and B and what's the average of A and B? And they're somewhere around the middle, you know. And so I think that like by getting that's why having this really active base is really important because they're making the posts on on social media. They're talking to their coworkers. You know, they're engaged and they this group of people for for whom um, their opinion forming is not based off of a sort of logical consideration of positions and more just like a sort of sense of feeling of like, you know, what are the opinions that other people have? Um, and, and that changes their opinions. And that's why it's important. You could look at, I think, if you look at the uh, um, perspectives around masks, this is a great example. Look at how many people were like, whether they wore a mask or not was basically where the, whether the government literally required it or not like once masks were optional they stopped wearing one right like they they were never at any point forming any kind of independent opinion they're going you know they're so most people go along to get along that's how most people are yeah we're not right like you or i (laughs) that way but that's how most people are so what would you say to people who are worried about maggie hassan getting reelected? And you being in the race just makes it easier for her to get reelected. Do you think that's a valid argument or what's your response? Uh, I think it's like, honestly, I think it's pretty irrelevant. Like I would be, I would be way more upset if I got a single uh, Democrat elected over a decent Republican. And I want to be clear, we're winning through the, the free staters are largely winning through the Republican party. That doesn't mean that the Republican party is unilaterally good. There are some right. bad Republicans, right? But if I if I if if an action of a Libertarian Party member of New Hampshire caused a Democrat, a bad Democrat, which is 99 percent of them to beat a good Republican, which is about 40 percent of them, let's say maybe even 50. um, That's upsetting. The Senate, I don't I don't care. Like, I just don't care. (laughs) You know, I don't like like. Also, there's not a good Republican running in the Senate. Right. There's not one, right? Like, again, if I was, I wouldn't run against Rand Paul. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I know a lot of libertarians say you should run regardless. I disagree with that. I wouldn't run against Rand Paul. The arguably the best Republican running is like a C minus in the NHLA grades, the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance grades, which is one of the best institutions in the state because they calculate a percentage libertarian vote for everything they do. I mean, this guy's just like lukewarm, you know, he's a, he's a total, I mean, I don't know if he's like literally a rhino, but like, he's not, he's not a committed libertarian. He's not remotely close. You know, he, he helped Obamacare get through in New Hampshire, you know, fought his own team over it. So he's not a good Republican, you know, and he's the most, I think he's probably the favorite. And if he's not the favorite, the number two is a guy that's like, uh, you know, build the wall to stop the fentanyl trade in New Hampshire, like total, you know, like, so there's no one, there's no Republican in the race. That's good. Um, so I, I think it's a mistake to feel like, Oh, let it like having one of those guys is a victory over having Hassan. Now Hassan also sucks, but like 
you know, the Democrats in New Hampshire were two of the Democrats, two of the only Democrats in the country that uh, stopped the minimum wage increase. Like, mm -hmm. they still stink. I'm not saying they're good. And they're, like, really upset about Russia right now. Um, so they're also terrible. But there's no good option. You know, there's no good option. And quite frankly, if the Republicans learned, this is what actually I think the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire should do, which is, like, we should wreck any race we can where a bad Republican is running. And at least let, or bad Democrat, again, because I actually support free staters running as Democrats. I think more free staters should run as Democrats. Political parties are vehicles, okay? Who cares if you agree with the platform? Run with whatever label will get you in office, as far as I'm concerned. But, um, like, if the Republicans learn that if they run bad candidates, the Libertarian Party will trounce them, what a great outcome that is. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, even if we win, win or lose, if they learn that they can't run bad candidates, that's a win, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I actually voted for Maggie Hassan in 2016, um, and I regret, I regret it in a way, just cause I have to admit that I did. And she has been pretty awful. Um, I think the lowest moment for me was when she and Jean Shaheen both voted for the Wyden or voted at, what is it? Voted against the Wyden amendment that would have made it impossible for the federal government to seize your search history without a warrant. It was just, uh, it was a, uh, it was an addition to the, or it was an amendment to the Patriot Act that would have made it impossible for the government to seize your search history without a warrant. And I think it needed, it needed 60 votes to pass the Senate and it got 59 because both Gene Shaheen and Maggie Hassan kind of bucked the party line and voted against it, which was insane. And I actually wrote her a letter or an email after that telling her like, I'm so angry at you. I can't believe I voted for you fuck you and i didn't even live in new hampshire anymore but i told her like i'm just gonna support your opponent whoever it is i don't even give a shit like i'm just so mad that you did this but i mean i look back at kelly ayotte kelly ayotte was probably even worse as far as being a senator goes i mean yeah. she's super pro-regime change super hawkish on everything so yeah i think you're right like trying to choose between the democrat or the republican in this type of race they, they just both suck so if you can get a lot of traction um, and draw a lot of attention to libertarian principles. That's great. Uh, but what if you win? What if you actually win? What are you going to do in the Senate? What's your, gonna, I'll, what's your I'll, goal? I'll be the be? best senator in American history. <laughs> I don't I mean, doubt it. I mean, like, right? That's not, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it's, you, I, it's foolish to talk about legislation that I would pass, right? Like, you can look at Thomas Massey as an example. Like, one, one man can't pass legislation. That's not how the Senate works. I won't even be allowed to introduce a bill, right? Like they won't even let it come to the floor. Um, that's that's just the way it works. I'm not trying to be like closed-minded about it, um, but I will do the same thing I'm doing in the state and I'll do it at the federal level. And I will not let the libertarian position on issues go ignored uh, to the extent that I can use rules and procedure to gum things up or to slow things down or to cause information to come out i will do it i'll do it whether it's legal or uh you know questionable um and i will do i will do things that you know draw uh attention to uh you know to the to the cause uh and so i think like and i you know and i think like i you know as much as possible and i think massey i think he still is concerned 
about getting reelected. He's still like kind of with the Republicans. So I'll be like Thomas Massey on steroids, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'll be doing I'll be doing even more of uh, that kind of thing. If I can get and I'm uh, if I can get access to to information, I'll I'll figure out a way to leak it. They won't be able to tie it back to me. You know, I'm uh, I'm, I'm good enough for that kind of thing. Of course, I would never leak information. That's obviously a joke. Uh, should this later become part of any kind of investigation, but uh, you know, like whatever, whatever can be done, uh, I will push the envelope uh, in every possible way uh, to stop those kinds of things. And I think people who have seen me know that, like, I have like kind of a nose for that kind of thing of like figuring out, out a way to both push the envelope, but also not, you know, go so far over the line that I you know, destroy myself or destroy something, right? Like I, I, I kind of am good at finding that sweet spot and I'll absolutely do the same thing as a senator. And that doesn't mean I haven't occasionally crossed the line. That's kind of the nature of playing that, that kind of game. But I think I'll do a very good job at, at, at that generally. Yeah. So um, New Hampshire last week, I think 13 people voted to secede from the union. Is that a correct uh, summary of what happened? Yeah, that's correct. That's right. So what was the bill, uh, who introduced it, and what were the specifics of it? So it was introduced by uh, a free state representative named Michael Sylvia, really great guy. He's been fighting the state here in a number of ways and legal cases and so on beyond the introduction of that. I thought they did it in a, in a pretty savvy way in that it was not a bill for New Hampshire to secede. It was a constitutional amendment that allowed the people of New Hampshire to vote on whether they wanted to be part of the United States. So I think that was very uh, smart because then you're not explicitly advocating for independence. You're saying, Hey, let's just let the people decide on that. Okay. I'm not surprised by that vote outcome, but it's a great example of, I thought it was very positive that it happened. One, it's not happening in other places. Uh, two, it has that same kind of, I'll just call it the John Oliver effect. So I don't you know, have to repeat it all again, where you get all this press coverage, people talking about the loonies in New Hampshire. It's like, yeah. thank you. Like, that's exactly what I want. Right. And then um, it, it I, I think the people who supported it are in seats that are pretty safe. I don't think they're going to suffer ramifications because like, look, let's be honest. I don't think the people of New Hampshire are all the way there on independence. Like if this actually went all the way onto the ballot, now we could do our best to persuade people, but if this was like literally on the ballot, it was not going to get 60%. It right. probably wasn't going to get 50%. I'm just being realistic here, you know? Um, but it, that it, that's part of normalizing it, right? Like that's part of every crazy idea goes through this sort of sequence of steps. And if you're the first person who is like, what if we, what if we didn't have slaves? You know, like if you're the first guy to say that, Everyone thinks you're crazy. It's right. it never changed. Ne radical change never happens. Where the first person who says something, everyone's like, "That's a great idea." You're like, no, I, "I'm I'm generally against democracy." But like the first person who's like, "Well, what if every four years uh, we we let everyone vote, and then that person would control all of the armed forces?" Like that's a crazy idea. Like every every, every almost everything that's new is crazy when it starts. I mean, think about the creation of Bitcoin. You know, if you're the first guy, it's like, what if we did this? Like, you know, there's very few ideas in history where that are, that are radical, where everyone hears them. They're like, that's great. I'm on board. That, that's not how it works. So persuasion happens over time. It will take 
truthfully, New Hampshire independence, if you support it, we're talking about a decade plus. I'm just being realistic about how long that's going to take. I I love all the energy behind it. I hope people keep fighting, you know, um, and this was a great step. Like this was a victory. Like, I want to be clear. I'm not like, this was a victory. The fact that we're having the conversation right. the outcome was not surprising. Right. Um, and the next step is what we need. You know, if you want to really make this a thing, what, they, what needs to happen is every um, Republican, especially that was vociferously against it, needs to get primary. Not mm-hmm. the Republicans, because sometimes sometimes I see there's this problem. It's not specific to the libertarian movement. Socialists do the same thing where libertarians get mad at the guy who's 90 to 95 percent to where they are. Right. You can't get mad at that guy. You've got to get mad at the people. You've got to focus your your fire to the extent that you can at the people who are way farther away from you. And that guy, you've got to say, look, I I disagree with you on this. You know, I, I wish you saw this another way. I want to keep having this conversation with you, you know, and like reaffirm your allyship, you know, and not and not try to target that guy and focus on. So like there's a Republican named like I. I don't know his name. It's Brody something like Brody Jashaya's. <clears throat> he's like a he's like a fifty NHLA. He's a terrible Republican, and he was like calling the other Republicans who introduced it, you know, traitors. That's the guy you need to go after. <laughs> you know, people yeah. like that. You need to make sure they're not in office again, so that it, so then you're sending this message that's like, look, all right, you can vote no on the bill, but if you speak up too loudly about it, too loudly against it, you're gonna get chopped down and then similarly you need to make sure that every single representative that supported it gets reelected. you need to put a ton of weight behind them so that other reps see oh i'm i want because there are more that would support it but that are worried fairly so I, i'm not i'm not like i can understand the perspective if you're if you're in a lean seat you barely got elected and it's like what happens if I support this, even if I support it? Like there are pragmatic, logical reasons to have not voted yes. Um, you can call them cowards if you disagree with them. Like, you know, whether you view them as cowardly or pragmatic is debatable. Um, but they're, you know, I can't, I'm not going to shame those people. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to say like, try to show that they can be comfortable doing that kind of thing <clears throat> and go from 13 to 20 to 25, to 30 to 40. And that's, you got to have that kind of attitude. Yeah. So I agree with you that literal secession is a long ways off. What do you think about forms of soft secession? So like uh, passing defend the guard legislation. Uh, I don't I know New Hampshire doesn't. So New Hampshire as of today has no state gun laws anymore. Right. Didn't they get rid of the one on the ATV or whatever that was? Um, I'm not an expert enough to say that unequivocally, but I believe that we have basically the strongest gun laws of any of any state in in the country. Um, So that that it's technically not a Second Amendment sanctuary state, though, right? Like they haven't. There's a law for that. uh, That's I believe actually passed the House already, but it's not law yet. Did I lose you? Can you still see me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they blacked out for a minute. So it's uh, it's not law yet, but it's going through the process of getting there. So, say uh, Second Amendment, sanctuary state, um, passing, defend the guard. Is there anything else that is coming up sooner that New Hampshire can focus on to make itself more independent from the federal government? 
Um, I'm not, I, there probably are other things cause I'm not always tracking the day to day, but I do think that idea of soft secession, like that's the sweet spot to me. Uh, Jeff Deist, Jeff Deist just did a talk at Liberty Forum about that exact topic. Um, basically encouraging that strategy. And we've seen how weak the federal government is at, at combating states or cities that violate its laws. We see this with marijuana laws. Uh, we see this with sanctuary cities. And so I think this is the real avenue to uh, hopefully we'll see with Defend the Guard. No state has passed Defend the Guard. As far as I know, I would love New Hampshire to be the first. And I think that's like the real thing to be pushing because I think the app, like, because you don't, if you bite too much of the apple at once, like they will fight you. But if you right. nibble, 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 and then like it makes it really hard for any one action to be the one. Then their response feels disproportionate to to the small action that you took. So I think that's that's really the strategy that you want to be, uh, you know, pursuing is is things along that line. Um, and so uh, you know, I'm definitely encouraging reps to be looking at that kind of thing. You know, um, and and I think like making it so that certain federal laws can't be enforced here. You know, make it so that people can, you know, make let, make it so people can opt out of Social Security, you know, like the Amish or things like that. Now, that's probably can't be done at the state level, but maybe there are clever ways, you know, that you can do it. And I will say, if you're the kind of person who thinks that way, it's crazy how much influence you can have here. I mean, there's a there. So the NHLA rep, uh, recommendations are taken pretty seriously. New Hampshire Liberty Alliance, these recommendations as to whether bills are liber, libertarian or not. There's a there's a guy he's like. I don't know his exact age. He's probably like 24 or 25. Very smart guy. Um, moved to New Hampshire just a couple of years ago, maybe even in the last year. And he did like a third of the bill reviews. All right. And if you're the kind of person who can understand the law and go through all that detail and, and, and figure out ways to pass things, it is not hard. We have a machine here. So if you come in and you say, well, if we amended, you know, RSA 452-B, you know, and made this change, this would be a way of, you know, accomplishing this great thing. And you know, it'd get introduced, no problem. Um, so it's a way that like people can make a real impact. If you're, if you're into the law, but you're not into politics, you can make a lot, you can make a big impact in, in New Hampshire. Yeah. What I've liked about watching your campaign so far is you have personally been bringing attention to each of these issues. You've been doing little TikTok videos while you walk to work and, every morning it's something else and it's usually um it's usually relatable to what's going on in the country like when uh tensions with russia really started escalating you started talking about defend the guard uh and you were saying like if you want to fight in ukraine go yourself send your own kids you know don't send other people's kids um where if you weren't running for senate it seems like you wouldn't have this same amount of attention so I don't know. A lot of people seem to take away, um, they, or they detract from the idea of what running for office can do to bring attention to you. But don't do you think that it really does bring a lot more attention if you run for an official seat than if you're just some guy on Twitter? Absolutely. Um, people take things more seriously, even if you're the libertarian candidate. People take because you're saying this as a candidate, and that is truthfully that's part of why. People recruited me to run. I 
I had no, I don't This is like maybe a weak answer and I should have my like Charlottesville answer like Joe Biden had, but um, I had no intention of running for office. Uh, you know, I, I do run my mouth on Twitter a little bit and in other places and people have seen me do interviews and the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire approached me and was like, we want to, we want you to run. We want to dedicate a lot of resources to your race. And they said literally what you just said, because we think you can do that. And that's the truth of the matter. And I was quite flattered and it, I, I you know, thought about it and, and, you know, talked to my wife and thought about all the, you know, costs and, and, and impact and so on and, and, and benefits. And, you know, it was, um, it, you know, it ended up being it was something I couldn't say no to because I do think that that's important. And that's absolutely what I'm trying to do. I had a video on TikTok that it's, uh, it's at almost a million views. I don't even know how to use TikTok. Someone uploads them for me. That's a very like boomer thing to say probably, but I just, I, I do just record the videos and I say, here's some videos I made today. And uh, so there's a team of people. And that's also part of why I was like, look, I will, I'll do the interviews. I'll do the events. I'll, um, I'll think through the policy as necessary. Although I actually think that politics for the most part, isn't about uh, policy as much as I wish it was. I wish we had these serious policy debates, but that's not what politics is. And so uh, there's a whole team of people um, that are doing uh, some really, really helpful stuff for the campaign. Uh, and it was their ideas, like, just do these short videos and we'll put them on TikTok. And it's it's been very successful. I think I think my total views on TikTok are like over two million uh, already, um, which is pretty cool in just you know a couple of months starting from nothing. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so our convention, our national convention is coming up in Reno. Uh, in the end of May. Right now, I assume the Libertarian Party establishment wants absolutely nothing to do with you. They're just going to pretend you don't exist. But if things go well in Reno, hopefully that changes and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of support behind your candidacy. But do you think that's accurate that the current establishment is not a fan of you and Hopefully, yeah. if we could change things, they would be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, which is crazy, right? Like, like they haven't talked about uh, my court case, for example, with my company. It's not a court case against me; it's a court case against my company. But this is like, I'm a committed libertarian. This is a, a clear no victim. It's literally an existential case for for the blockchain industry, which is generally supported by libertarians. I mean, they don't talk about it. The the people, and I, you know, to be honest. I don't even know why these people have such a such a dislike. I my only explanation is the degree to which they want to cling to their own, you know, sort of status or their own power because I don't have a single position that's against the libertarian national platform, you know. I'm obviously an effective communicator by the evidence that people follow me even if it's not your thing, right? Like right. Um, say, I mean, same for, and by the way, of course there are people like Dave Smith way better, you know, communicated than I am. And, you know, he's got a huge following. They don't talk about him and, and this kind of thing. And it's like, it's so weird. And, the, and it's like, they, they, they share messages from like, uh, what's her name? Like, uh, like Becca Congdon or whoever the new person. And it's like, they're not, they're so unpopular. Like you can look at the evidence and that's the thing is like, I've done social media professionally and it's like, you can't cling to your beliefs about what works and what doesn't like you can have beliefs. But then you update them based on right. how people respond <laughs> to the things that you said. And I'm never, of course, deviate from libertarian principles. But like 
you can't just be like, I know the right way to communicate and I refuse to consider any evidence. And like that feels like the position that these people have is that like we know the right way to sell libertarianism. It doesn't matter that we've never succeeded at all. We know we're correct. And you who are doing something that's different from that, despite all the evidence that it's successful, you are wrong. And it's like what an insane position that these these people have. I do think it will change after Reno. Uh, my understanding is that the Mises Caucus, you know, like did really great at a bunch of conventions. Uh, this past weekend and in pro and weekends prior to this past weekend. So, I mean, it doesn't even seem debatable at this point that it will be a very, a very strong Mises uh, win at convention. As to what happens after that, uh, I certainly would love uh, the support for my campaign. I really think like, I would like to see a lot more change in the Libertarian National Party. I think they should be looking at the fundamental governance structure, like, if we're skeptical of democracy, which now that's not part of the platform, but I think libertarians should be skeptical of democracy. Why are we running our own party that way? Right. Yeah. What are, and I don't, I'm not trying to convince anyone of a particular idea. I don't know the answer to this question, but certainly I'm like, cause you have the same bad incentives where fucking losers can be really obsessed and people who are more capable, who have other stuff going on, aren't as involved because yeah. that's what the incentives create. Right. Right. Um, so that's a huge problem. How do you create an incentive where the more capable people, you know, have, have more influence and say, rather than people who, and that's what it is. These people there, because they had nothing else going on in them. Not all exclusively, by the way, I want to say I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here. Not, not all, mm -hmm. whatever. Uh, but like, there's a lot of people for whom like their whole identity is derived from their involvement in the party. But like that's part of why the party is failing because someone whose whole identity is like around the libertarian party is like probably doesn't have too much going on otherwise. Um, <clears throat> so like that's a real problem. Um, I think the libertarian party should – they don't have to endorse the free state project specifically, but I'd love them to see – to become more friendly. I love – you know, endorse the idea of concentration. Pick five states. I don't care. Yeah. You know? Uh, set, like just in, endorse the idea of moving with your feet, which is a very libertarian idea. You know, I, I think people should move to New Hampshire over Florida. But if you leave California for Florida, I am not going to shame you. I'm not going to shame you at all. You know, uh, I think if you're still in California and you visit both and you kind of consider the evidence, I think you'll pick New Hampshire. And as long as New Hampshire is getting one libertarian for every 20 that moved to Florida, we're going to continue to run ahead of Florida because of that huge population difference. But who cares? Endorse the idea generally. Like that's something that can work. You know, endorse the idea of federalism, you know, these kinds of things. Um, endorse the idea of like other, just be more creative. It's it's so embarrassing to me. Not even embarrassing. It's just like such bad strategy, although it's also embarrassing. The way that they just want to copy the status quo and be like a different version of it. I really don't like it. It was part of what motivated me to get involved. And I, I think it's going to change um, in, you know, a couple of months. So it should be, should be interesting. Yeah. Well, everyone, the links to go to his website and to his Twitter page and to Jeremy from New Hampshire on Facebook and Instagram are all in the description. So make sure you go follow those links and follow them there. Is there anywhere else having to do with the campaign or anything else having to do with the campaign you want people to know about or pay attention to? Uh, we have a discord that we're getting off the ground for people who are really interested and i actually don't think we have like a neat url for it but anyone who dms me um, i'm happy to give you the link for that discord so this is more for people who are like 
interested in being involved in the campaign, which you can do outside of New Hampshire. Not, you know, if you're, I don't think, I think it's like a little bit less for fans, uh, but if you want to get involved, you know, we're happy to have you. There's so much work that can be done, you know, whether that's like memeing or editing or, or even policy stuff. Like we're, um, I did, uh, I, I'll, I'll actually spell out my, uh, some, some of what's coming down the pipe. People can know what's coming. So I did, uh, I got together with Dan Smots and um, we did some filming for some campaign ads. And the idea awesome. that we're pursuing is we want to do sort of relatively short, punchy ads that don't get into policy specifics, but that are calling attention to something, sort of drawing inspiration from some of the TikTok stuff and other stuff. And I'm very, I'm very sort of experimental. And that's part of why I like TikTok is I can do these short videos and say, oh, that this, you know, this people, like people really like the jokes. That's what I've learned is like, man, I should just do way more jokes because every video that's gotten more than 10,000 views pretty much, oh, I think with the exception of one has been at least somewhat humorous, right? And so we're going to do videos that are, that are humorous, that may be provocative. And then we're going to have substantive policy positions as the sort of like follow-up link. Like if you liked this video, it'll be the URL at the bottom with the, with the actual platform. So, you know, my positions are 100% libertarian, but I just think focusing on the policy too much and leaning on this kind of stuff, it's, it, no, first of all, most people don't care, even people who are Democrats and Republicans. And then the real path to libertarian victory is activating the people who are fed up with both of them and they tend to be checked out. And so you're not going to win. You, someone who is, not voted for six years, you're not going to be like, well, did you hear my policy? On, yeah, right. <laughs> you know, and then they're like, I want to vote again. Like, that's not how it works. <laughs> but if they feel like, oh, this guy gets it, you know, understands the system is messed up, you know, wants to fight for the, you know, doesn't want to be a part of the system and wants to fight the system, there are very few candidates who want to do that. That's the kind of message that can actually activate some of these people who are checked out. So we're going to be doing stuff along those lines, backed up by the substantive policy positions for the people who really want to, you know, dig into that side of it. So what's going on with this lawsuit? Tell us about it. Uh, so uh, my yeah, my company is being sued by the SEC. It's a big case for the blockchain industry. Um, it's a civil case, so I'm not facing any criminal penalties, and it's honestly not even about the potential fine because we could pay a fine, but it's more about what will the legal standard be in the United States for a blockchain token to be a security? Um, so this is a big deal because once tokens are security, they become very cumbersome to exchange in the United States. And under the standard they're advancing in this case, we're looking at basically every token in the U.S. being a security, including Ethereum. And um, the case is just heating up. I'm going in to give a deposition on Monday. Uh, but we're about to end um, the sort of evidence discovery period. And then um, things will really be flying sort of sort of fast and furious, uh, you know, after that uh, with a trial potentially beginning in, I think, like four or five months. Uh, but it is a big case uh, for anyone who cares about blockchain. I'll say in my case for the libertarians, there's no victim. No one went to the government and said I was defrauded or said anything right. bad happened. The government decided to investigate this case on their own we can speculate as to why uh, and i did a, i did an interview with john deaton recently who's uh one of the lawyers that's defending uh the ripple case uh which is sort of the other big case for the blockchain industry and it feels like it might get picked up i'm hoping uh by 
by Fox Business uh, or some other journalists, uh, you know, covering the case more. And there was also an article in CoinDesk recently about the case, although um, kind of a weaker article, factually speaking. Uh, but it did, it, it, you know, was it was some good coverage in the sense that any coverage is, is better than nothing. And it was in reason in the past and, you know, other places like this. And so, um, but it's a really big deal. Um, there's a there's a petition people can sign at Help LBRY Save Crypto, uh, which is certainly appreciated. You know, unfortunately, there's not too much, um, you know, sort of the average uh, uh, person uh, can do. Um, but continuing to bring attention to the case, spreading that position, spreading that petition, uh, using library, you know, getting some getting some of the cryptocurrency for yourself um, will also, you know, the more distributed it is, the you know, the more robust we are. Um, we don't think it's existential for the company or anything like that. You know, we're prepared one way or another for, for any outcome and, and the work will continue one way or another. But it's pretty messed up. It's definitely it's also just in terms of my own journey, like made me much more anti-government like i wasn't i i came i'll tell this people can um like i came from the like sort of like you know cato consequentialist you know sort of school of libertarianism where you're kind of like well the government's um you know they have good intentions uh but they're you know they're just doing things in bad ways you know they're right. just misinformed um, and, and certainly my own experience has been, no, they're not misinformed. They are bad actors. Yeah. And so that, that's, that's changed my, you know, that's changed my perspective going through it. I mean, other things have changed that perspective as well. That was probably, you know, that's where I was maybe more a decade ago than two years ago, but it's, it's really, really, you know, firmed that up. Yeah. Haven't you spent more than a million dollars in lawsuits at this point? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And More those are all, expensive. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would pay them. I would pay the SEC five million dollars. Like it's not about the money. It's about having like it's it's really a very simple case, right? Bitcoin and Ethereum are not supposed to be securities. Now the SEC waffles on this, but they're probably not going to waffle be able to undo that. So if Bitcoin and Ethereum are not securities, then logically speaking, there's a set of properties that other blockchain tokens can have that would make them not securities, right? If, if these two things have these properties, then like the SEC should be able to express that. And that's all I want to know is like, okay, what are those set of properties? Like maybe I'll choose not to attain them, right? Like maybe it's not worth it or whatever, but what are they? And they've never been able to give any positive statements. We went in, I went into the SEC's office voluntarily, not compelled, voluntarily. We prepared a 30-page uh, slide deck going through everyone's like cryptically reading the tea leaves of this speech from 2018 called the Hinman speech. And we went through and we said, well, here's why we think our, you know, our technology meets the Sanders laid out in this speech. They gave us zero feedback. They're just like, we're suing you. <laughs> like <laughs> it was, so, it was, is awful. Like I haven't enriched myself. Like, yes, you can find the facts. You know, we've, we've sold more than um, we've raised more than $10 million by selling the token. I took basically zero of that money for myself. If I had been working in private industry, I would have earned more money over the last five years than I earned working for library. I've done attempted to be the good guy at every step, been super transparent. And all I've done is be punished for it. And it's like, these are not good people. These are quite frankly, evil people and i don't throw away around the word evil too much but they are evil like they are dead set 
on destroying or substantially harming the blockchain industry. And it has been crazy to see the way that these people behave firsthand. They threatened to bankrupt us. They got me, they got my company on the phone, my counsel on the phone. And they said, we will make this expensive for you if you don't do what we want. I'm paraphrasing. That's what they said. Uh, like that is evil. Like that's not someone who who thought we were doing something wrong and wanted to help us comply. That is someone who wanted to punish us from the beginning before they even met us. I, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's insane, man. Uh, <laughs> Odyssey has become a bastion of free speech probably more than we would have thought with RT News right now. Um, that's pretty insane. Like they've been shut down. I'm going to, well, the EU, the United States, um, I don't know, I think in, I forget what other countries, but they've been shut down in a lot of places all over the world and they've been kicked off YouTube, but Odyssey is still having them on. And that's probably the biggest stand Odyssey's taken at this point, right? As far as being anti-censorship goes. It's it's certainly one of the biggest, um, you know, we, we've, we've been unequivocally that way. And of course, at the underlying library protocol level, we don't even have the ability to do it. Right. But yeah, we, we certainly got a lot of attention uh, for that. We, we're getting, uh, well, by the way, not kind of we, uh, Odyssey is now being run separately from library. It has its own CEO. Right. His name's Julian Chandra. Yeah, so it's like, I'm not uh, very involved in the day-to-day, uh, but I did get notified that uh, Odyssey is receiving legal requests from the EU to block RT in the EU because the EU's position is now that it's illegal, uh, you know, to, uh, to distribute RT or it may have been certain countries within the EU, but something like this. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, we're going to do our best both within the system and outside the system, right. Finding ways to, to do things a little bit differently to keep that stuff online. And this is, of course, it should go without saying, but I'll say it like, this isn't a defense of RT. I have no idea what RT says. I assume, like any other news, uh, you know, large news organization, whether controlled by the government or not, that they lie all the time and get information wrong all the time because I have never seen a large media institution that doesn't do that. But it is crazy to say that, like, they should be banned from the internet. It's just crazy. And, uh, you know, I feel that way uh, about everything. And we got um, we got subpoenaed for um, uh, related to the 3d firearms CAD files, um, due to some of that stuff. And we, you know, we fought that stuff and, and didn't give up the identities of people, uh, who were using Odyssey. So that one, we didn't talk about that one publicly, uh, but that's an example of a prior one, uh, where we also fought, uh, you know, for, for our users and, and to protect, you know, the first amendment. Uh, so it's wild. It's wild. I feel it's, I'm in a weird position as well because I feel like I like benefit from all this stuff. Like I don't want Russia to be at war with Ukraine and I don't want there to be these weird behaviors. Like let's not sell Russian vodka, right? All this virtue signaling crap, but we're benefiting, man. Like I feel that I feel like I've set myself up both, and like the world gets crazier politically in the U S New Hampshire gets better. The yeah. big tech gets crazier with the, the censorship and the blocking and, and my companies get better. So I've put myself in this weird position where like I'm benefiting or the groups that I'm a part of are benefiting 
from bad things that are happening outside of uh, outside of those uh, groups. But it seems like that's the best thing I can do to, to kind of, you know, fight or mitigate what's going on. Yeah, um, Ryan Dawson, who's been banned off of like everything, he was talking on my show yesterday about how he got banned before it was popular and then they started banning like white nationalists and stuff. And he was like, oh, great. These are who I have to hang out with. And then it started trickling into libertarians and he was like, oh, OK, now I got some more like minded people. And now it's like all of Russia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's yeah. just like so. I mean, it starts out with these like crazy weird people who are getting banned selectively. But once they start painting with such a broad brush, then so many normal people are like, wait a second, what? Like, you're, you think I'm a crazy person now? You think I can't have my own opinion? And that's how we yeah. win. I mean, and that's like, like I was saying at the beginning when I left New Hampshire in 2020, uh, I knew what the Free State Project was, but I was just like, eh, it's not really doing much. And now, you know, because like you said, America has gotten so insane, it pushes the people who, realize how insane it's getting you know i've become one of the marginalized people i'm one of the dangerous people that can't have an opinion anymore i need to do something about this and it's 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 accelerationism you know showing its fruits i guess it's uh disturbing in some ways but it's uh it's hopeful in others i guess <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean i am i am optimistic for the future for libertarians i'm not optimistic for the future you know globally necessarily although right. you know, one of the things that does happen throughout history is like Governments suck, but entrepreneurs and other, you know, people and people generally, not even just entrepreneurs, like humanity. Like I do like as crazy as people can get. I like humanity, you know, kind of mm -hmm. at large. I like, you know, humans are innovative and they're creative and they come up with ways, you know, to fight this kind of stuff. So I, I, I am still and I'm definitely an optimist for New Hampshire and I'm kind of an optimist in general for the for, for humanity despite all the bad stuff that's happening. Some people would say I'm naive for that, for believing that, but I am, I'm, I'm an optimist. I believe the future will be better. I believe my children will live in a, in a better world, you know, than I live in, in currently. And I think I live in a better world than my parents did. Even if the government is worse, I'm not, I'm not saying the government is necessarily better, but I do live in a, I do think I live in a, you know, in a better world. And I think that will continue to be true. Yeah. Well, you have had an effect on the way I think, I think that you are, the ultimate libertarian because you know we <laughs> oh we we shouldn't i mean most libertarians say yeah it's not our business to tell iraq how to live right but you say it's not our business to tell california how to live it's not your business to tell your town next to you how to live like it's your business to tell yourself how to live and lead by example and I've realized this idea that because we're in the United States of America, that we somehow have the right to dictate how all 50 of these states are going to live because something was written on a piece of paper 250 years ago is just ridiculous. So just like we want to be an example to Saudi Arabia by being a shining beacon of freedom and opportunity and equality or not equality that's the wrong word but equality of opportunity or whatever for everybody who wants whatever New Hampshire's got to be the same thing for the rest of the country that's what I've realized like you know California is our Saudi Arabia we're like wow guys <laughs> your <laughs> things aren't looking so good there but instead of like trying to force them to change 
just let them suck and then just get better where you are and prove to them that your ideas work. And then they'll, you know, people who are sane from those places will want to leave and join you. And uh, I, I think you're a hundred percent right in that frame of thought, man. I, I love that. That's a, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Um, I'm also flattered, you know, that, that you're saying that I also will say it's also acceptable to other people. You know, a lot of people who don't like libertarians, they don't like them because they regard you as a threat to the way that they want to live. And if you talk to someone who you disagree with, a communist, a socialist, or even just like a mainstream Democrat or Republican, you say, well, like, look, I'm a person, you know, it's sort of the same conversation you'd have if you were like, you know, uh, a, a black person 60 or 70 years ago, or a gay person 30 years ago, or whatever, where you're basically being like, look, this is me. I believe these things sincerely. Like, this is just who I am. I don't want to threaten you. I don't want to threaten your lifestyle. I'm not, you know, whatever bad things you've heard about me or people like me, like, I'm not trying to do those things to you. But I'm a real person. And I really believe and feel the things that I believe. And like, shouldn't I have the ability or the right to live the way that I want to live in a world as large as the world that we live in? It's really a message that can resonate with people who aren't remotely libertarian, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I am moving back to New Hampshire in a couple months and I'm going to do everything I can help to, uh, you know, bring more attention to your Senate campaign, hopefully have you win. But even if you don't win, just to, you know, run a campaign that really brings attention to these things that we want people to know about and bring attention to the state of New Hampshire. Uh, just before we close out, is there any last remarks or anything else you want people to know? If you're interested in New Hampshire, Come for a visit, come for a vacation. You don't have to be sold on the idea. Even if you think it's 5%, even if you think it's really unlikely, spend a week here, check it out, meet some people. I'm happy to help you plan a trip. The Free State Project, fsp.org slash visit, will literally help you plan a vacation. You can come to Porkfest, of course, but you can come out almost any time of year. We'll help you figure that out. And just come check it out. Like, Because if, if it's possible, even if you think it's unlikely, it merits the visit. And so that's what I really would encourage people to do is to come for a visit. And then I'll also say, Reed, we got to throw you a party. Can we throw you a, uh, can we throw you like yeah. a welcoming Reed party? I, I, won't do say, like I, that? I won't say no to that. So. All right. All right. <laughs> uh, I will just give we'll a talk offline. We'll figure out the details. All right. I'll just give a fair warning to everyone. If you're going to visit New Hampshire, I don't recommend it in the month of May. The one bad thing about New Hampshire is the black flies. Just a fair warning. You got at least bring bug spray if you're going to come in May. But aside from that, as long as you can handle the cold, it's a great place to live. And I've lived there most of my life and I'm going back. But uh, thanks, Jeremy. Uh, we'll do it again. And I uh, am excited to see how your campaign turns out. Thanks, Reed. Great show.